like I'm just really scared of being really comfortable. That actually scares me more than anything else. Like I'm just like, oh, I'm in a job. I know how to do it. I'm quite comfortable. Um, and I, I have no min- moments where I'm like really uncomfortable and have to talk to people about how to figure things out. And, and luckily I've always had moments where I feel like I'm going to completely, you know, fail at what I'm doing. And I actually need that to, to be happy in what I'm doing. Hi, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock. I'm your host, Alex Zuma, and on this episode of the show, I chat with Kieran Flanagan, VP of Marketing at HubSpot, about the essentials of product-qualified leads. A software engineer by education, Kieran very quickly figured out that he would be average at best when it came to building software products. Where he got excited was in getting people to use them and grow that usage. Kieran's path in figuring that out has seen him go through great companies such as Salesforce and Marketo, finally landing at HubSpot six years ago. Such a long tenure is unusual for people like Kieran who easily get bored, but HubSpot was, has proved an incredibly interesting playground for experiments that he hasn't been tempted to leave. In the past two years, he's been in charge of the entire top of the marketing funnel, which represents all the demand created through users and leads. A lot of that has been led by trials and use of freemium products. Listen on to hear what is a product qualified lead you have generally a freemium or maybe a free trial um, go to market. You have like really great onboarding to actually teach that person how to use that product. And that person can actually be self-sufficient, use the product and extract value from it. And they actually reach out, they can either reach out to a salesperson or upgrade through touch this motion. And it really depends upon the product you have, which one is going to suit you uh, to actually buy. And that model can be more efficient because you probably need less salespeople to get the same amount of revenue because they're people themselves and their product and onboarding they're qualifying the actual users and it's not sales team how to know if a product-led strategy makes sense for your business so if your customer doesn't want to use a freemium version of your product does not want a free trial they really want to speak to someone because it's complex sale and they really need someone to explain the value proposition of your product and it can't really be done through onboarding and they can't figure it out themselves then you're probably still better off acquiring demand generating mqls and having salespeople interact with them I think if it makes sense for your business, you need to make a real investment in user onboarding. So you're because you're basically replacing human interaction uh, through how people used to like interact with a salesperson with them actually being able to figure this out through the product themselves. And that's actually very hard to do. Uh, but again, has all of the benefits we talked about if you're able to do it. How to begin transitioning to product qualified leads. One of the first PQLs that worked really well was within our CRM we looked at data points and we figured out points where people were having real friction adopting the product um, themselves, right? They just were not able to figure out how to set something up or understand how something worked. And so we added some like really nasty looking call to actions within the product. The product team did not like, rightfully so, because it like detracted from how, what a great product they've created, but we just wanted to test things out. So basically like small little banners Uh, And like, if you're experiencing problems with this thing, reach out for a free consultation. We will get you set up in that thing. So we use humans to make sure, to to ensure that we had a loop to see if the things that they were having a problem with were the things that we thought. So we could connect them with a human, that human could um, talk to them, figure out what their problems were and say, yeah, actually you need to build better onboarding because they're having problems here. And so that worked really well. Kieran has spoken at three SaaS.com conferences and we'll be back at SaaS.19, a conference he likes for many reasons, one of which is the fact that he doesn't need to get on a flight for something he's rather afraid of. 
Another thing is he, he is afraid of is being too comfortable at his own job. Rather, Kieran thrives when he's up against a serious challenge and has to solve it. We bring many more speakers just like Kieran at SAS.19. Sign up for our insider sale to be the first to get access for our two-for-one ticket sale at sas.com forward slash insiders. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, Kieran Flanagan, uh, VP of Marketing at HubSpot. Welcome, Kieran. Thanks for having me on, Alex. No, it's uh, it, good to have you on, on the podcast for the first time, surprisingly, because I think we're entering our fourth year, or just about our fourth year in, in February, uh, and I can't believe we've not had you on before. Yeah, yeah, I've, uh, I've been lucky enough to speak at the event, uh, just to give you guys a bit of kudos, it's an incredible event. Also, the uh, best event for me, because it's not only a, an incredible event, but I don't have to get a plane anywhere to go yeah. and speak at it, so I'm glad that you have created a world-class event in Dublin. <laughs> no, 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 thanks. I yeah, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that. But you must do a lot of flying though, right? Because you're speaking at a, a lot of conferences. Yeah, I do a lot of flying um, I, because I go back and forth to Boston every six weeks um, and I have spoken at a lot of conferences. I've done less conferences recently because I've just tried to reduce it a little bit. But I have tried every trick in the book to um, get over a fear of flying, but um, still have, have some... some uh, troublesome times when there's a lot of turbulence <laughs> what's uh like what sort of things like uh, does something like meditation or hypnotism or this uh, yeah so it's really interesting so i've done all those things and um and then i went to like this all-day boot camp for fear of flying it's actually a really good boot camp i tried to put my dad in it because i think that's where i got my fear of flying from he's he's petrified he'll say the rosary uh for the whole time on a plane wow. <laughs> uh, he's not even that he's not, he's not even that religious but I was at this uh, boot camp and I was, I had always just tried to um, breathe in and techniques and all of that. And the guy was t- talking us through um, all of the different things people try to get over fear of flying. And he said to me, oh, and of course, everyone knows that like alcohol and Valium doesn't work. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing that people tried. And I tried it and it does work. He's okay. lying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of people uh, um, with a fear of flying that they basically just get pissed at the airport before they, before they go on and it, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, yeah, so I, I have a pretty, I'm pretty, um, like have a very set routine where, you know, if I fly somewhere for a conference, I'll fly the night before. So I have time to recover by flying to Boston. I'll have time to recover. Uh, I would like to like not have to do that because it does mean that you have extra time of recovery time. <laughs> but uh, that's my go-to plan at the moment. Okay, very good. Very good. Um, so, uh, Kieran, um, aside, we've obviously got to know that you've got a fear of flying uh, and speak at a lot of conferences. Um, uh, tell us just a little bit about uh, yourself. Uh, you know, who who is Kieran Flanagan? Yep. So, the uh, really quick introduction. I uh, I kind of graduated with a background in, in computer science. So I was a developer. Uh, I was not very good at being a developer. I knew I was going to ever be average. And the thing I was really interested in was not building stuff. It was actually how to get people to use the stuff and grow the stuff. Um, and I, so I reset my career and I just randomly happened to go and start working in SEO. Um, and it was actually a pretty good place for me to start because it was a good combination of technical skills and then learn some, some things about marketing. And then I was fortunate enough to be asked by Salesforce to go and do a bunch of their marketing 
online for Europe and then went to work for another uh, startup, not, a, not another startup, but a smaller company in Salesforce called Marketo. Uh, and that was a really good experience. And then I find my way to HubSpot and I've really done three things in HubSpot. I was in the first 12 people to be hired outside of Cambridge to grow our international business. So the company was about 300 back then. It's about 2,600 now. Uh, after two years, I got asked to go and join another small group to grow out this product-led freemium go-to-market. And that was a lot of fun. And then recently, I've just taken on the entire top part of HubSpot's funnel, which is all of the demand we create globally through users and leads. Awesome. Uh, and, and you mentioned the search, um, like kind of where you, you started off. And uh, I guess your, your Twitter handle is, uh, is SearchBrat, at SearchBrat, <laughs> right? Uh, so uh, you, you've stuck with that since, um, uh, since those SEO days? Yeah, I should actually change that. So it's funny. Uh, so I haven't really, I tell the story. So when I started in SEO, I actually did SEO for two years and didn't know a thing about marketing. I actually learned how to game things uh, and it becomes quite addictive. So I for like learned how to do search the right way, but then from I had a series of my own sites and a, a portfolio of different sites and learned how to do search the wrong way and taken all of these different shortcuts that you can't do anymore because Google have closed them all off. And that's why I kind of had the search brat, which is like, I don't know if it actually translated brat in our house was like someone who was always mischievous. And that does not, that's not what it means in places like States. They have a very different, uh, uh, it means something very different there. So I have stuck with it only through, through laziness because I have not changed it to my own name and my own name is taken. (laughs) So that's why I have it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and, and, and also, obviously, so you, you, you've worked or your marketing career has been Salesforce, Marketo and HubSpot. So, you, you know, uh, a pretty great CV there. And you've been at HubSpot for more than six years now, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it that like, because like, this day and age and, you know, all, all the talk about like millennials and like, you, you know, often like in the US, they're like staying at companies for a year, maybe kind of two years talk of tour of duties like what is it why have you stayed at hubspot for six years yeah it's uh that time has gone really really fast before hubspot i'd only ever been at a company for 18 months um and i'm definitely someone who suffers from i get bored about it's not just work like everything eventually bores me very quickly um and so the, i've just been fortunate that hubspot has been successful so the company itself has been successful it means it's it's grown and it's given me the opportunities to change roles near enough every two years um, so I've had as, as, like at six years, three different roles, um, and that's spanned across those six years. So I think that's one of the good things. If you get into a company that is very, very successful, you often don't have to leave to get new opportunities for growth because the reason I would leave a company is because you get too like, I'm just really scared of being really comfortable. That's actually scares me more than anything else. Like, I'm just like, Oh, I'm in a job. I know how to do it. I'm quite comfortable. Um, and I, I have no min- moments where I'm like really uncomfortable and have to talk to people about how to figure things out. And, and luckily I've always had moments where I feel like I'm going to completely, you know, fail at what I'm doing. And I actually need that to, to be happy in what I'm doing. Um, so you, uh, obviously everybody knows, um, you, you know, uh, as you mentioned, HubSpot have been like super successful, right? And now 2,600 person company, um, I don't know what the valuation is, but, uh, um, you know, you, you guys are, are, are certainly doing well and, um, uh, you know, l- leaders in, in, in marketing automation. So like today, you know, we're going to talk obviously about marketing. Um, I'd love to get some uh, marketing secrets and, you know, uh, tips like from 
what works for HubSpot, and it, again, like you know, it, it may not necessarily you know work for other SaaS companies, but like it, it'd be good. To, uh, you know, find out. Um, yeah. And also specifically, we're going to talk about, like, you know, moving from marketing qualified leads to product qualified leads, something that I don't specifically know about. So you can kind of educate me and, you know, educate the audience uh, on this as well, because I know it's a, a topic that you work uh, very well versed on. So uh, yep. that will sound good. Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, so, I mean, let's start like at the basics, marketing qualified leads, product qualified leads, you know, what are they, you know, when, when should you be using them? Yeah, so you, so a lot of what you hear, one of the things you hear a lot about today is product-led growth. And I'm sure you've heard it a lot because it's very prevalent in the SaaS uh, space and you run some of the biggest SaaS conferences there are. And so product-led growth, the difference between like an MQL and PQL is within the go-to-market. So a, sales, a sales-led strategy is generally through MQLs. And MQLs are as you generate demand for your product. And then you qualify that by some set of criteria um, that shows you that that person is qualified and they have some intent to buy your product. And then you rotate those to a salesperson and the sales qualify them, which is a sales qualified lead, turns them into ops and closes business for your customer. So you have a team that generate demand. You have some marketing automation that qualifies that demand for you and then sends it to salespeople and the salespeople take that on, qualify it some more and close that. The difference in a product-led strategy is that you have generally a freemium or maybe a free trial um, go to market, you have like really great onboarding to actually teach that person how to use that product. And that person can actually be self-sufficient, use the product and extract value from it. And they actually reach out, they can either reach out to a salesperson or upgrade through touch this motion. And it really depends upon the product you have, which one is going to suit you uh, to actually buy. And that model can be more efficient because you probably need less salespeople to get the same amount of revenue because they're people themselves and their product and onboarding, they're qualifying the actual users and it's not sales team. And that's kind of fundamentally the, the difference between those two kind of go to markets. And, and why do you think, I mean, as you, you, you mentioned there that obviously that yes, like we're seeing in SaaS that there is this kind of move towards uh, like product led growth. And I think at SaaS stock last year, like open new ventures ran a whole workshop on, on yep. product led growth. There was probably about between five to 10 talks on, on product led growth, right. Be, being the future. Um, you know, why are we seeing that move and specifically in SaaS? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of things. So this space has never been uh, so like it's never been more competitive to, to be a SaaS company. So I think it's never been easier to start a company, but it's never been more difficult to grow a company. And the reason for that is, is really distribution, right? It's really difficult to win a distribution because you have certain number of ways that you can acquire users and those use all of those places are saturated. They have more companies either competing uh, in those channels. And also the people that are competing in those channels are generally better at what they do today. So the quality of what people are doing within those channels is just higher. And so I think to, to really be successful as a SaaS company today, you really need to have like a great product, right? So you put the product at the heart of your strategy. Um, you need to have a really great customer experience, right? A customer experience that removes as much friction as possible from how that user both uses your product, buys for your product and retains on your product. And then you need to have a really great brand. And I think part of your brand is actually the problems that the product solve. And I think that's one of the ways that companies are differentiating themselves is they're investing in that kind of product first uh, strategy or go to market and creating that kind of frictionless experience for customers. And so all of the other marketing and things like that are just 
more efficient, more efficient, more effective because your product fulfills the promises that you're making. And people can see that because they can use it for free. Um, and so you can't kind of like bullshit your way uh, into the game and just, and, you know, over, uh, over promise and under deliver anymore. So imagine I'm uh, uh, running a SaaS company and like all I've been doing is uh, marketing qualified leads, right? Well, what is my kind of next step to say, like once I've listened to this podcast and like I'll, I go back to the team, like guys, like PQLs, I've listened to this great podcast with uh, Kieran Flanagan and, uh, and that guy from SaaStock and uh, apparently product-led gro- growth is the future and we need to move to PQLs. Like what is the kind of next step? Is there is there like a uh, like a, a 101 or what, what, what SaaS companies should be doing? Would it be different, you know, in, in each case? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things. So I definitely want to um, make sure that I, that I make the point that there, there is still a play, like I don't think PQLs just completely replace like sales that go to markets and MQLs. Uh, I think there's a couple of things you think about if it's, if it's right for your business or not. And the first thing is like it should make sense for your customers and how they want to buy your product. Right. So if your customer doesn't want to use a freemium version of your product, does not want a free trial, they really want to speak to someone because it's a complex sale and they really need someone to explain the value proposition of your product and they can't really be done through onboarding and they can't figure it out themselves, then you're probably still better off acquiring demand, generating MQLs and having salespeople interact with them. I think if it makes sense for your business, you need to make a real investment in user onboarding. So you're because you're basically replacing human interaction. Uh, through how people used to like interact with a salesperson with them actually being able to figure this out through the product themselves. And that's actually very hard to do. Uh, but again, has all of the benefits we talked about if you're able to do it. Um, and then they, then they're able to either qualify themselves and talk to a salesperson and that job for the salesperson is a lot easier because they're qualified through the product or they can upgrade it and buy the product themselves. And again, that is dependent upon how they want to consume a product. And then we can come onto this different because one of the, one of the big, uh, in a different section, but one of the, biggest things about a product like strategy is it really it really changes the way you set up your SaaS uh, teams and you need to really think deeply about your team structure because product-led growth means that a lot of the things that drive growth are really at the intersection of marketing product and engineering and then you need to think very carefully about how those teams collaborate how they share metrics and who owns what and so that's they're the things that I would think about in terms of like is this actually something that we should invest in? And so a good, a good example of that is like in HubSpot, we still generate a lot of business through marketing qualified leads because people want to um, talk to a salesperson for like the higher tier packages. But then we have a whole layer of freemium for where people want to just experience the product themselves, upgrade touchlessly, or have a like light interaction with a salesperson after they've used the product for some period of time. So, so, um, so more enterprise, like definitely like still room and, and perhaps even a preference for marketing qualified leads and like speaking to a salesperson, uh, PQLs, are like, you know, a sweet spot, you know, in SMB kind of, uh, uh, low touch, no touch sales, but does it work in enterprise as well? What? I think it, I think it could work in enterprise where, you know, you have, uh, I, I think it can work in all products where the user, uh, you know, if you have a, let's say a basic pro, uh, enterprise structure and someone's using your product in pro and they're clearly, their usage patterns clearly show that they could get value from the enterprise, then you can still run all the mechanics of product qualified leads to, uh, push people up through the tiers. And again, what you're trying to do is remove friction from that person. Like person is using things that indicate that they would get more value if they upgraded. 
And you can actually surface things up within the product to say, hey, did you know about this thing? And again, if an ent- in an enterprise, you're probably going to connect them with their account manager or salesperson. So the mechanics of product-like strategy can work in all types of businesses. Again, you need to be very clear on how your consumers and your customers want to both buy and inter- your product and interact with your company. Um, can you, are, are you happy to kind of like share some, uh, some examples of, of what you've done with, uh, with PQLs and, and product like growth, uh, at HubSpot and like what the impact, uh, uh has been, what ROI you've seen from, um, from like a couple of things that you've implemented? Yeah, I can give, I can give some examples. Let me give some examples of two tests, which I think show the evolution of how your product qualify, lead, your product qualify lead strategy can work. Because I think where you're going to start is trying very small things, right? Run a minimal viable test, try to reduce the scope of those experiments so that you're not putting a lot of uh, risk on yourself if these things don't work. And so we, we generate a large portion of our, our company's revenue. And I don't, I definitely can't share n- probably numbers because I'm never aware of the numbers I'm allowed to share. <laughs> but you can go look at our latest earnings reports and there, and you can see that a, a considerable p- amount of that revenue now comes through product, right? The product freemium uh, go to market. And that, and to the start of 2016, that number was zero, right? And so, but we did not like just implement this amazing product led freemium strategy from day one. We kind of experimented our way there. So a good example is one of the first PQLs that worked really well was within our CRM, we looked at data points and we figured out points where people were having real friction adopting the product um, themselves, right? They just were not able to figure out how to set something up or understand how something worked. And so we added some like really nasty looking call to actions within the product. The product team did not like, rightfully so, because it like, detracted from how what a great product they've created but we just wanted to test things out so basically like small little banners uh, and like if you're experiencing problems with this thing reach out for a free consultation we will get you set up in that thing so we used humans to make sure it to to ensure that we had a loop to see if the things that they were having problem with were the things that we thought so we could connect them with a human that human could um talk to them figure out what their problems were and say yeah actually you need to build better onboarding because they're having problems here and so that worked really well and then over time, we evolved in, in terms of what you could do within the product. So you would hit certain triggers and you'd have a modal pop-up and you could talk, you could connect with a sales rep or you could uh, email someone for a demo. And we ran a far more complex experiment to then start to figure out if we had people live chat with someone within the product, would that be a better way for them to actually uh, adopt and upgrade uh, into the higher tiers? And so putting a nasty banner in the product versus trying to build live chat within the product and run that as an experiment. They are like worlds apart in terms of level of complexity. And so when you are thinking about building this out for the very first time, you can start really small, right? That's the kind of point I'm making is like, we did not start with the more complex experiments. We really evolved there through a series of iterations. And and, um, so let's say I'm going to set up a a, a product led growth team and we're going to uh, introduce PQLs. Like, what should that team uh, look like? You know, who, who should I be looking for uh, external hires, or if I've already got a, a marketing team and an engineering team and a, a you know and a sales team, um, you know, should I just be like moving people over and just creating um, yep. like, like like a team within the uh, uh, within a team that are focused on this? Yeah, I definitely. So, so I think this is the important, the most important things to get right when you're doing this. It's actually the 
the people that you have and then setting them up for success. All of the tactics and experiments are actually will like obviously will uh, provide you a ton of benefit, a ton of upside. But actually, if you want to be successful, they're the two things you should really focus on to begin with. And I think if you're just starting out in product author leads, you hear you know people talking about it and you've seen companies and you've decided that oh, we've looked across how our customers interact and we know that this is something that's going to work for them. We Or we just want to really start experimenting with it. You should definitely find some people within your current teams that are going to be passionate about it and build out a pod, right? And the way I would do that is I would have, uh, I would figure out like, what is the metric we most want to move initially to show that there's some viable path here to a product-led strategy. And let's say that the thing I wanted to do is prove that I can get users to come in and activate on some usage metric and then up and reach out to a salesperson, right? We know that if they do this thing and we can get them to do it and then put a a call to action, more of those people are going to reach out to a salesperson. They're going to be more qualified. We're going to generate more revenue for less uh, human interaction. And so I would, I would create a little pod uh, and figure out who are the people that need to be in that pod. So whether it's a product a person, a PM, an engineer, maybe a marketer to write copy, I don't know what the uh, actual correct makeup would be. And then just allow them to obsess over that thing for the next number of months. And the thing I would try not to get caught up on is like, who is the person that all these people report into? Who owns this thing? That's where all companies will start to uh, hit a brick wall with this stuff because you'll have marketers and product people and engineers and they all report up to their own functional heads. And then you're like, oh, I spend all this time with is this report. These belong to marketing, like they're cross functional. So who really do they report to? Don't worry about that. Just make them report into whoever is the person that's most passionate about this, whoever's the person to give them the best guidance and let them just get on with the work. Which um, which companies kind of out there do you like specifically admire that we could look at uh, that are, are really sort of nailing you know uh, or uh, uh, you know are the essence of like product led growth uh, sort of right now? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm probably just going to usually pick the ones that come top of mind are probably the, the the least controversial because they're just known for it. So uh, you know, Pinterest is a really good example of a of a company that nailed growth and they've had some really great leaders. They've had Casey winners who helped fill out the growth function. They've had other great tech leads who are, who have popular blogs. And the reason I picked up Pinterest is because they actually write a lot about their um, growth experiments. They have a really great blog and you can go and learn from them. Now, obviously they have a, I think growth team of about 70 people, right? So they're a B2C company, huge uh, network, and they're not going to be as applicable to uh, every SaaS company. But I think they're um, they're a good example. Um, uh, we talked to to a girl called a woman called Brittany Bingham who worked within SurveyMonkey and they've done some cool stuff with growth, in particular how they drove virality. Um, so there's like there's a there's a lot of companies that you see within the SaaS space that are starting to to adopt this. I think that most of the companies who are further ahead are the big kind of B two C companies, like because it's just you, they're just more users. Uh, more upside in doing these things, but I do start to I've started to see like a lot of B two B companies, SaaS companies, kind of adopt this, go to market, and build out pretty good teams. And, and what about specific uh, or are any like uh, tools that you're kind of excited that are an essential part of a, a, a like a product like growth uh, toolkit? Yeah, we don't really. Um, so I think that, uh, honestly, there's not tools that I think are that relevant to it. I think it's really what you need to, to do to build it within, you know, whatever setup you have. So you, there's like tools off the shelf that you can help to build onboarding. A lot of companies will create their own tool sets to build their own custom onboarding. 
on the data side, you have companies like uh, Amplitude and other, you know, I don't want to just name Amplitude, but I'm blank on others. Yeah. But um, it's just because that's what we use. But I think the toolkit is honestly less relevant than the, um, the, the once you've nailed the, the structure of people, the clarity on the things you care about, you can then start to build whatever your product like stack is. Um, and I think it's going to be, there's going to be nuances for each company based upon the tech they're already using. And, and you mentioned like, um, uh, obviously survey monkey and Pinterest and obviously like uh, the, the Pinterest bro- uh, blog, a great place to go. If, uh, you, you know, you want to learn about sort of growth, um, for you, somebody that's been in marketing, you know, for, uh, uh for a long time and, uh, you know, been in a, a marketing and growth position, you know, at HubSpot, um, uh, for six years and you're speaking about growth and, you know, you're, 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 you're involved in reforge, uh, which is Brian Balfour's thing and, and do learn inbound. Like, so if we say, you, you know, you're a growth expert, where do you go, uh, to, to learn or like, how do you continue to learn about growth? Yep. Yeah. And I should mention actually Patreon are actually an incredible team. So we've talked to some of the people from Patreon. They're, they're awesome. And Eventbrite as well. Uh, Eventbrite are, really, are doing really cool things. So, where do I go to? I, I still always learn from uh, from multiple people. I think Brian Balfour and that crew over in Reforge are create incredible content. Brian is um, uh, an amazing person to actually distill complex things and into simplest like simplistic frameworks, frameworks and models. So I can't say enough good things about Reforge and over they have they have a really good crew and people like Andrew Chen and uh, Casey Winners and a bunch of other people who lecture for them. Um, honestly, the number one, and this is, this is going to send back cause I'm on a podcast and it sounds like I'm going to plug my podcast, but the number one way I learn is to just, is, so I have a, I set up a growth podcast and that's my, that's been the best thing I've done for continual learning. And I'm sure you probably find that is that I just get to have conversations with people who are extremely smart and, um, get to teach me, teach me things. So I still learned, I was thinking about this yesterday, probably learn most from conversations and then second from uh, um, audio, like listening to podcasts and then third from written at the moment, but audio and written kind of changes. Um, and generally where I learned from is like being given things from my network. I generally don't go and find content anymore. It's just pushed me through other people and say like, this is an amazing, we read an article, got an article the last day that was widely shared within HubSpot about marketplaces. And it was an incredible article. Um, and so I'm just fortunate that i have people who are far smarter than me that will send me content <laughs> no I, th- I think there's a lot to be said i mean for, for all of that and especially just you know um i i can sort of mirror uh what you said just around like starting a podcast and uh, you know learning that way i think you, you know obviously we're into the third or fourth year of SaaS revolution show and you know the first year i i knew like almost next to nothing about SaaS, and i found myself like having a podcast interviews with owen mccabe and like byron Dieter and stuff like this and half of the stuff i felt like well i felt like an imposter throughout the whole thing i thought half of the stuff like i, I don't know what they're talking about but <laughs> I'll, I'll pretend that i do uh and and uh, and luckily it's uh it, it's got easier but uh you know i'm still kind of learning so you, you know just having those conversations with like super smart people that are you know experts or like you uh you, you know in certain domains like uh, does help and, and again uh like today as an example i you know i, I knew sort of about uh, product, product qualified leads and uh now i know a little bit about them uh um you, you know towards the end of the conversation so um definitely you know for, for those um that are listening you, you know i guess putting yourself outside your comfort zone and doing things like this and surrounding yourself with smart people interviewing smart people um uh it, it's uh super beneficial uh, yeah and, and the other thing is I, I so i'm an introvert so you know i would easily not 
go talk to new people because it's actually one of the harder things for an introvert to do. And that's been really great. That's been a really great thing for, for podcasting as well. It's like, I actually, you know, have a reason to go and speak to these amazingly smart people, uh, have a conversation and, and things that we, you know, are both passionate about. So yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Two, uh, two final questions, Kieran. Um, I guess, first of all, um, where can people like find you online? Obviously we mentioned at search brat, um, sort of where else you, you mentioned your podcast. What what's the URL for that? Yeah, you can, uh, if you, uh, go to the growth, tldr.com, uh, that is our growth podcast, myself and my co-host Scott Towsley. Um, and the other places you can come find us on LinkedIn. Okay. I'll uh, find cool. me on LinkedIn, not find us. You on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, good. Uh, and uh, like, final question, uh, we always ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane on this ass journey. I know I think we've spoken before that uh, I think you work out or do boxing or like a, a little bit yes. of everything. Like, what, what, What's your thing? So I have an obsessive personality, so I get obsessed by things quite easily. My obsession is boxing. I love boxing. I wish I could go back in time and be younger and uh try to be a boxer but that's my thing um it's i've always found working out is the um best way to to like just kind of uh chill out relax and that's that's uh, before that was crossfit but uh, i injured myself constantly (laughs) so i've changed the boxing not sure that's a better better option yeah no 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 but uh, i mean i wish i i did boxing but i, I mean i i don't and i, I tried crossfit but uh, again like my old bones were weren't uh weren't too keen it's pretty hard on your it's pretty hard in your uh yeah it's pretty hard in your on your um, body um but look kieran uh it's been great speaking to you i'm sure we'll speak more again in uh in in 2019 um thanks for being a guest on the SaaS revolution show and educating us on, on how to move to to product qualified leads um uh yeah no, it's been uh, it's been great Thanks a lot, Alex. Uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for having me on. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and have picked up some valuable lessons from Kieran Flanagan. If you missed the bonus episode with another HubSpot marketing VP, Megan Kinney Anderson, on how HubSpot upended their editorial strategy in 2017 after a year-long plateau, be sure to check it out in the feed for this podcast. Don't forget to sign up for our two-for-one promotion for SaaS.19 to get in on the many more actionable marketing presentations in Dublin in October. Thanks for listening and see you next time.